atmosphere let's just bow our heads heavenly father we don't want that just to be lip service this morning but lord we want to enter into that place today lord we're in the midst of a building a company of people we're all individuals lord we have many things around us we may be looking at the building this different ones but Lord, ultimately, it's about you and the individual. And Lord, we're asking, Lord, would that place be open to us today? Lord, in the midst of a busy world, when everything is coming at us in so many ways, but, oh God, bring us into that secret place, that place with you, Father. Lord, I pray this morning that you would your spirit would have the leading, the sway, that you, O oh Lord, would govern this service, that you would govern the speaker, that you would govern the hearer. But Lord, beyond just what our natural ears and natural minds can hear and receive, O oh Lord, we desire the anointing, the anointing that's been sent down in this last day for a bride and a bridegroom to come together, Lord. Father, may it come into this building today. We invite you this morning. We commit now the service, the reading of the word, and we ask that you will take us into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. While you're standing, let's just go directly to the word this morning. We'll invite you to go to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. Now, I uh, sometimes as men, as ministers, as leaders, you look for direction. In fact, you may have things that you want to minister and sequentially and come to a certain place as the Lord leads you. But I'll say that we are governed by something greater. We're not just governed, you know, by... You know, even Samuel the prophet, he was given a commission, go and anoint the next king of Israel. Well, as a man, even as a spiritual man, he went about and looked for the sons of David because that's what he was taught to do. And he thought, surely this is the one. And he went all the way down the line, but the Lord went beyond even that of the prophet. And I will say, we had a man in this generation, the most spiritual-led man, dwelled into the supernatural, but he came up to an event called the opening of the seals, and he thought, this is what it is, but beyond even the man, 
There was God who was supernatural over it. Friends, that's what we ought to look for. I, 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 I'm not looking that it all stops with me. There's a much higher one operating in this room, and we want to see him this morning. Is that your desire? Amen. Let's read Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred with those maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But thou shalt not make thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that you shall mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Now, I, I want you to notice the obedience of Ruth and her submittal to the land that she had come to. And not just the land, but the order, the kingdom. And by giving it to herself, it was going to bring her into a place that she would not even hardly know. I'm going to take my text from verse 4. And he will tell you what you shall do. Amen. God bless you. May have your seats. Now, maybe I'll do what Brother Andrew did on Wednesday. I'll, I'll just tell you that's where I'm going. And maybe it'll take me a little while to get there. And uh, he waited till the end of the service to bring the very quote that he told us he was starting with. And I thought... Man, that was just about as good a service, but he didn't bring us to the quote. And then after he sang a song, he said, I'm going to read that quote. Okay, you clinched it, Brother Andrew. God bless you. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say uh, I've had a thought on my heart, and as I've been reflecting, we're coming to the communion tonight. And as I was studying and I thought I had my order for this morning, and probably in a much greater depth and more detail and PowerPoint and all kinds of things. But as I came to the communion service in my study, and I, I will just say I'm looking forward to the communion tonight. And, uh, but as I came to that, it changed where I was going this morning too. So I want us not so much, you know, we live in such an information age I don't want to just feed information, but I want us to enter in to what he is saying. And that will partially bring us into tonight. So I'm, by design, I'm going to go a little slower. By design, I'm going to just leave parts of what I was going to do this morning for a couple future services. And I just trust that it will be all right. And we just want the Lord to have his way. Just maybe in the way of a couple of announcements, I just wanted to say that um, this 
today. We have a morning service tonight. We're going to have the communion. And um, next weekend, which is Thanksgiving weekend, we have one service. And um, as part of that, I had, we had a brother that we had invited, and I, I want, he's still going to be coming, and he's actually from Cloverdale. His brother Jean Manassi is his name, his young brother. He'll be ministering for the youth on Friday, and so there's a youth service Friday here at the Tabernacle. And, um, and I want to just say that's open to all the youth, like always, but because it's a special service, I also want to invite young marrieds and, and those that can come and be a part of it. That way you can be, I think we want to just invite the Lord. I, I know you're going to be blessed by our brother Jean. God's been blessing his ministry. He's a man that God has called out a number of years ago. He's married. He's got one child, but he'll be coming alone, and then he'll be ministering for us also on Sunday. But I just wanted to make mention to that. Tonight, we're, we're looking to observe the communion, and... Uh, you know, the communion over the years has always been special to me, and I've appreciated the way we've done it in this church here. We've always come, and we've, had, we've, uh, we've taken the bread. We've had a chance to come. We've, we've, we've always drunk from the one cup, and um, it seemed like COVID changed a lot of that. We couldn't do that that way anymore, and I, I want to try and bring a little bit more of a balance to it tonight if I can. I felt last time we were just... Uh, I, I want to both address the natural and the spiritual part of the communion. I know naturally we live in a time where there is um, consideration for health and, and we want to observe that. And uh, so we are making the individual cups available if you feel more comfortable with that. But there's also something to be said about having the cup, as I felt was always a blessing to me. And uh, we're going to have that. But if you don't feel comfortable, this is not to put two classes, but I want to, I want to make it comfortable wherever you're at to be able to do it that way. So um, part of what I want to do is also just to reflect and not just make it an assembly line and not just make it, well, let's just do this. And No, I want this to be what the Lord wanted it to be, was to say, remember my death till he come. And so I, I, I just want to approach this on two levels. There's a natural, but there's also a spiritual. And I say, prepare your hearts for that, friends, and, and I believe it'll be a blessing to us. So... Uh, I, I believe it, it's an integral part of our Christian walk, not just the, the, the part that we're going to do as an ordinance, but the part, the interaction, the depth of knowing God and walking with God. So I, I'll give you a little bit more direction on that tonight, but I want everybody to be comfortable to come and to take it in a way that you feel comfortable. So I trust that's okay. Is that Okay. God bless you. We're looking forward to that tonight. So, And God bless you to all the visitors, those that aren't with us today. God bless you as well. I, some, some of our elders, they, uh, they don't uh, often get a chance, I think, in the Brother Sam and Sister Carol. If you're listening, God bless you. Um, nice to see Brother Frank. Steve's here. God bless you. And, and all the others that sometimes we don't see, we don't know, but 
we're a body, aren't we? And when one's missing, we miss, we miss everyone. Now I feel like I need to sing a song or something. And I'm not going to sing a special, don't worry. Uh, God bless Sister Sally, nice to have you here. And uh, how many are happy to be a Christian today? Amen. Let's, I want to look a little bit at this portion of Scripture in the book of Ruth. And I'm, I'm going to use this maybe as a little bit of a springboard for a few services that we'll go into. But there are um, a number of stages or seasons to Ruth's walk here. Now, there are only two books in the Bible that are named after a woman. And one of them is the book of Ruth. So even though this is about Boaz and the inheritance and the law of the kinsman redeemer and a type of Christ, the name that's given to this book is the book of Ruth. And it's not just Ruth as an entity to herself, but it is Ruth being brought into position into the very lineage of God and the manifestation whereby Jesus Christ was come. And this is a natural type, but it is also a spiritual. The other book that is named after a woman is the book of Esther. We won't get there today, but in the book of Ruth, there are a number of different seasons to Ruth's walk. We're not going to take time with each one, but in, in Ruth chapter 1, it was her time of deciding, and she made a clear-cut decision. Like Rebecca of old, will you go with this man? I will go. And when Ruth decided that she was going to go with Naomi, forgetting everything that was in the past, her decision was clear-cut. It wasn't, I'll go as long as I am well-fed, as long as I have this. No, I will go where you go. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Friends, that's the bride of Christ. That is a type of the bride. So it was her decision that brought her back into Israel into a land that was foreign to her, into a land that had different traditions than she grew up with. And I will say the message of the hour that we have, it is not just another church. It is not just another denomination. It is not just a movement. But it is the Bible. And it is God in his season bringing the Bible into reality. So I, don't, I, I, I will come back to that maybe a little bit more, but I, I, I will say that Ruth represents something that is playing out in this very hour. And Ruth is coming now from uh, a strange land, and she comes back to Judah, back to Israel, back to uh, the very lineage of where God is, there's a union that's going to happen here that she's not even aware of. But, and, and Ruth is coming when? At the time of the harvest season. 
Now there's different harvests in Israel. There's a barley harvest. There's a wheat harvest. There's a harvest of the fruits. But I'll, I'll deal with that just a little as we go along. So Ruth goes from one season of deciding into where that decision brings her into service. And it brings her into, uh, it brings her under, uh, if you can call it, Naomi, who is, is her nearest, kin, who would be her nearest kinsman. But it brings her under Naomi, which is a type of the law. But it brings her into where she doesn't have much, but what she has, she comes back to, and she begins to enter into a field as a gleaner. So it begins a season of service. Let me just stop for a few moments, and I'm purposely going slow today because I want this to enter into maybe where we're going for communion tonight, and I do have a, real, a thought for communion. The prophet would tell us, and he would say, you know, there's, uh, there's seasons. There's a spring season. There is a summer season. There's a fall season. There's a winter season. In some respects, the fall season, you know, you, you can't tell when summer goes into fall. It seems like we can always tell when fall goes into winter because there's this white stuff that comes down. But, but it can be there temporarily. But there's a transition between seasons. It doesn't happen automatically. So the fall season, you know, it starts with a few leaves changing color. It, it maybe starts with... You know, as, as the air cools a little night, a dissipation of those pesky little mosquitoes that are there in the summer. And it, it, takes, it takes on a slightly cooler trend, but it's a beautiful season. And it, it manifests things that we didn't see all summer. And it manifests the, the, not just the, the leaves, but, you know, here all summer the tree has been growing. And, and then now that's in, in botany life, but it also is the, the harvest season. You know, those little seeds that you planted, I'm amazed. My wife planted a few tomato plants. You know, and, and it's just a little seed that goes in the ground, and, 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 and we don't buy it in seed form. I think we buy it in, where there's a plant you can put in the ground but to initiate the growth. And, but from that little plant and a number of plants, and now I look at the harvest, and I mean, we got a dining room full of tomatoes. A dining room table is just covered in tomatoes, and, and, I, and it was so simple, but it's harvest time. And then we're living in the harvest time of God's word that's been planted over many generations. It's the harvest time of the seeds that Satan has planted. It's the harvest time of, of what started as a woman's world. And it's a harvest time of gender confusion. It's a harvest time of, of everything evil. That Satan is desiring. But it's also the harvest time. When the bride is coming into view. When there's a people. That are coming to their place. That are coming to their inheritance. It's a harvest time. I love, I love the, 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 the things that. You know. That, that come with the season. It's the birds. You know you watch these. These ducks that have been on the pond. And something just begins to. From within. You know, it can be a beautiful day. It looks like summer. But, but they're feeling a call 
because they are in tune with even the transition of the season. And friends, you can't just look at the message, well, when this happens or when that happens or when I hear of an earthquake or when I see, you know, U.S. and a woman president, when I see, that's when, no, you, you got to start moving now because you have got to move in transition with the season. You've got to move in, and, and you're, you're compelled by something in you. As our brother Andrew so aptly described, it's a groaning. And that groaning is moving you. It's not just, well, it's what I see and what I can put together. No, it's a spirit-led message. Friends, there's something that God is doing that's greater than your mind, your thinking. It's something God has placed you within. So the birds, as they're moving, and the harvest, and, and all of these things, they're indicative of where we're at. These birds, they take these great flights and distance and migration and, and they're driven. And I'll say this, the bride is being moved in this hour. And I say, I don't, don't let Satan try to squash it. And I'll tell you, he's throwing everything. He throws it at me, he throws it at you, he throws it at your children. I think we were very incumbent to recognize that that he is trying to block what God has ahead for us. I, I, I gotta just, just go at this in stages, but so here's Ruth going from deciding she's brought in service, and as a service, she's brought as a gleaner, and by coincidence, not by coincidence, it can seem like coincidence, she's brought into the field of Boaz. Brother Paul, it's not a coincidence that your father came across the message. I, I want to make this real. Brother Nathan, it's not a coincidence that you were born in the home of a believer. It's not just the young men, but Brother Bob, it's not a coincidence that God brought us so many years ago into this path, into this field. We, we're, I, I'll just say this. The picture is magnifying all the time. How many remembers when television first come out? Okay, nobody is going to raise their hands to that question. Wow. <laughs> I, I'll raise my hand. I, I was in the early 60s, and, and my father, he, he had one, and it was the rabbit ears, and you'd have to twist them and turn them and take tin foil and wrap it up and hold it there, hold it there. The picture's coming through. The picture's coming through. The technology was there for the picture. But now look at, look at, television. So it, it went from that picture where it looked like, you know, even the summer movies had snow in them because it was all the static that was there. And, and, you know, you go back and sometimes I'll go back to moments in history and they had recorded it by, by video and I'm going, what kind of a picture is that? You know, you go back to, you know, the, the videos, but I'm just saying it looks so grainy. It looks like, man, what, what is that all about? That's the message that we started out with. That's the picture that Ruth saw at the beginning. She didn't know. But now look at where television, look at where science has gone to. They, they've gone to, they've gone from, you know, where, where it's gone, nobody has rabbit ears anymore, those antennas. It's gone to cable, it's gone to a high optic, it's gone to fiber, it's gone to all kinds of things. And now it's not just, you know, it used to be 4K and now it's, I don't know what all the things are. But it's like, 
It's so lifelike. Now, if that's what science is doing, what about the message, friends? It is not just a grainy picture anymore, but it is real. And it is becoming more real. And it ought to be in a vision. Maybe you can't say it with words, but there's something in you that's saying, I'm, the, the picture is developing. It's moving into something. Oh, I, I, uh, my, my desire this morning is not that we're just sitting here to be taught. But my, my desire is that he would come and he would make himself more real to every young person, to every elder, to every one of us. Not that we're taking the 10 steps of learning in the message. That's not the message. The message is Christ coming to you personally. Don't ever lose sight of that. It's, it's a message. And I'll say this. He will tell you what you have to do. <coughs> Thank the Lord. My voice is there. I wasn't sure if it would be. Now... Ruth goes from deciding to serving and she comes into this field with this man named Boaz and she's gleaning and as she's gleaning, you know, despite her history, something was shining through her that Boaz took note of. She's a woman of character. He himself didn't even maybe know what this woman was when she came into his field. But I'll say this, it was ordained. And I will say, as much as there's a mighty angel, as much as God is calling a bride, as much as there's all of these things, friends, it's not us that are looking to find, oh, can we, ha can we have a part of it, please? No, I'll say, as much as that part is there, this part has to be there too. The womb has to be there. The people have to be. There's a people ordained to life in this last age. There's a seed inside of us that God put there before the foundation of the earth. And it's a seed that can only be quickened by the Spirit of God for this day. Hey, I, I, I've used the example before. But when God called me out and I thought, oh, it's just nice to sit in a church. And I came and they had the, the singing Christmas tree, Pentecostal church. Oh, this is nice, but I'll tell you what, that didn't satisfy. That may have been a season but there's a season that God has ordained for the bride. I'm laboring with this a little bit, and I, there's other parts I want to come to. But I'll, I'll, I'll just let the Lord minister. I feel like, you know, sometimes we can get, you know, we're in the maturity. But part of maturity is you minister to the whole body. I, I, I want the children to catch it. I, I want the young people to catch it. I, I want every one of us to be able to come a little higher. And it's not just being taught, but it's entering into something. I, I think Satan's robbed us personally. He has robbed us of the times we used to sit and read the message. 
He has robbed us. Our minds are so active. Go, go, go. And, you know, we almost get the shakes when we misplace our phone. I'm saying this to myself, too. We, we almost, we, we've become so conditioned. You know, it's actually a, we need to really say, Lord, in order for you to fulfill your promises, there has to be a womb that's undefiled. There has to be a place you can enter into. There has to be a receptive heart. There has to be a spirit that is willing to sit and listen. The bride has made herself ready. Many years ago, the prophet would say, we have the material on earth now to dress the bride. But the bride has something to do. What does she have to do? Just stand still and uh, and allow the bridegroom to dress her. Listen, this might not, uh, you might all think, uh, not me, not me. Let's just be honest with yourself today. Ask yourself, am I better today than I was years ago when I had less distractions, when I had less obligations, when it was less of this, 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 but just to have a time where, Lord, it's you and me. You know, we look for answers, and we look for answers, and Oh, what, what, let me, let me, and I'm not, I don't want to make this negative, because it isn't negative, but I, I just want to focus it. But we look for answers, and we may have brothers' ministry that God has raised up, and by technology, we can stream services. And I'm going to go and look what brother so-and-so says, and, and then I'm going to look at what brother so-and-so says, and I'm going to look at what brother... And we can respect all those things. But somewhere, he has to be speaking. Somewhere, it's got to be between you and him. And I will say, if you find yourself just being an information uh, source and collection, and, and for pride's sake, I've, I, did you hear, did you kind of collect? Can you, I just say, I, I don't want to be the Google of the message. I want to be with him. I want to enter that place with him. And I feel it's very incumbent in the season we live in that we need to come to that place. (laughs) Now Ruth goes from the season of Gleaning, and she comes. She's beginning. The picture is starting to become clear. God's got a purpose in this. I'm, I'm gleaning, and 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 it's only when she goes back to Naomi, and Naomi is a part of the law, and as she's a part of the law, she she says, "Oh, there's something great going on here. You you entered into both. He's a near kinsman." And you came back with, with all of this. You, this is not an average gleaner. Friends, 
It, it wasn't our learning that brought us into the message. It wasn't because you or I were good guys or good gals that God said, yeah, you know what? They've got, a they got something special. No, it's the grace of God <coughs> that he dropped handfuls on purpose. That he, above, above what you deserved, what I deserved, he gave out revelation. That he gave you something, an ability to see. That's the grace of God. That's a handful on purpose. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. Not one of us did. But he's the Lord of the harvest. He knows. And friends, this morning, you don't know what he has for you. I don't know what he has for you. But I guarantee it is far bigger than our natural eyes can see. It is far bigger than what we can comprehend with our minds. It is the Lord of the harvest that is at work. <coughs> now, let me just back up for a minute. We can look from that perspective, and we need to. But sometimes we're down here in the middle of it all, and we can't see what's going on. We feel like we're, you know, sometimes we have that kind of preaching, and it goes like over our heads. What's that got to do with the trouble I'm dealing with at home? What's that got to do with, with the situation that's happening in my life right now. Well, I'll tell you one thing it'll do. It'll stabilize you when you know the season that you're in. Now, with each season that Ruth moved from, from decision-making in the midst of personal tragedy, got married, lost her husband, saw her sister-in-law lose her husband, saw her mother-in-law lose her husband. And she's there, and it's just the three girls, and one of the girls, and you know what? We'll go with you, Naomi, pleading, crying, emotional. And Naomi says, just go back to your, I, I, I know the law. Am I going to wait for somebody to raise up somebody else and get married and have more children? You know what? And, and here is Orpha, Ruth's sister-in-law, and she said, oh, okay, thanks, Naomi. I'll go back. But there's something in Ruth. I, I can't. Something has happened. I've entered another season, and that season led to the next season. So she, she comes into it, and now she comes into it, and she's in this field, and she's got this, she's gleaning, but look at the other gleaners. They're not getting near what I'm getting. Not knowing that the favor of God was already with her when he saw her when she was making that decision. And he led her into that field. And what was the tragedy? She began to see there's a greater purpose here. Oh, friends. There's nothing that happens in our lives that God doesn't know about. Amen. Brother Branham's talking 
invisible union. And he would talk about cycles, even in our lives. We have families. Every family in here is accustomed to that. Sometimes everything will run fine for you for years. Then all at once you'll hit a spell where we say many times in the south, when it rains, it pours. And everything goes wrong. You're going through a nighttime. He's identifying it as a season. The Bible would say, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The prophet will talk about how dark it is, but then he brings it into perspective. He said, how come it's so dark? He said, it's the oncoming light that's pressing the darkness together, and that's why it's so dark. And then he'll go on and he'll, he'll say, now talks about the autumn season. We just buried a great saint, Sister Lydia Wilde. We, Lord gave us a beautiful day a couple weeks ago. And it was a nice memorial and singing and the worship and just sitting there in the fall and scarcely two years earlier, her husband, Reinald, had passed away. Brother Bannon would talk and he talks about the autumn time. We take a leaf and that's like a life. And he says that leaf, finally, when the life when the leaf pulls away from the tree because the season is over for the leaf and the life leaves that leaf and the leaf will drop off when the life leaves it. We are all sure of that as we look from our windows now. The life is leaving the leaves and the leaves will drop off. And we can look at our sister and we could say about her, we could look at it naturally and, oh, she was old and she was frail. But in her seasons, as a young lady, as a wife, lost a husband and married again, but as a season, as a grandmother, there was something that resonated through all of that. And the season, one season led to another until it comes full circle. And is that the end? No. There's an eternal season. And, and, and Brother Brandon would say, this gives us a great testimony. Raising our children, marrying, bringing forth families. This is the season of mortal life. When we've been born from above, the body returns to where it comes from. And the life, God who gave it, there will be another season. Sometimes when I get melancholy or blue or I forget that I can't run as fast as I used to run. When I'm not in the same kind of shape I was in when I was younger. And by the way, round is a shape. So I'm in shape still. And, uh, 
But when I'm reminded of those things and then I get thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm three quarters through my allotted time. And all of a sudden, the mortality sets in. It's at a time like that I'll go put on the Yance Brothers, one of my favorite songs. There'll be another spring. There'll be another season where we'll be young again. Oh, friends. Don't just, don't just view the oncoming winter with dread. There's something beyond that, too. Listen, we're October 1st. We're in the last three months of the year. I, I, I think I've just opened the door to winter. You know, just there was snow in parts of Alberta the other day, and, you know, it's about this time that the season of the snowbird starts to come, and people migrate, and people that would come and visit from Washington or British Columbia, this is as far into the season that they'll come here, and then they'll retreat quite quickly. I'm, not just, I'm just saying that in case there's anybody in that situation today, but, oh, there'll be another spring, the prophet would say. He says, when the Son of God rises with healings in his wings, it'll be impossible to hold these bodies in the ground. I want to just say today, friends, <coughs> this is not projected way out there. That season is already on us today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be entering into a few subjects, a few services on the breach. And I, I, I'm just going to be approaching this in a certain way. So this is just a little precursor to it. But I, I, I'm just going to say, we're the end of seven church ages. And if you go to, and I'll bring this up maybe, but if you go to Enoch's temple, which is the second Bible that was ever written, there's a grand hall with seven steps, seven church ages represented. And at the end of those, there's a great step. It's a step that a man cannot make on its own. It's over 36 inches high. But it brings you into a plateau. And in that plateau, it's the ushering in of the bride. It is a place, it's not the king's chamber yet. But it's a place that only God can lift you unto. I'll, I'll come at this from a different way, but I, I'll, I'll just deal with it today a little bit on the level of seasons. You've got to work in God's season. There's an importance of working in the spring season. Don't plant too early when you're in Alberta, but plant at, at a season that you can capitalize on the growth that's there. And I'll say this as a young person. It's important while you're young, plant, because you don't know what will come down the road. And I'll say, even today to us as a church, keep feeding on the word. There may come a time when, when God is going to take all that you've been taking in and he'll start bringing it to life. When he'll take quotes and he'll make them real to you. Work in the season. Jesus would say, work while it is day, for the hour cometh when no man can work. I say, we've been given this space of time. Let's capitalize on it. So there's importance of working in the planting season. 
And then when we're in the growing season, it's a matter of nurturing the plant, letting it grow, let it, let it come to a place. And then as you come to the harvest, it's a different season. And I'll, some of this will come, but... And really, all of this is a reflection of the sun and the position of the sun. When the sun comes into position after the winter, it draws the seeds out of the ground. It changes the atmosphere. It isn't the air that changes itself. It's the sun that's changing the atmosphere. Friends, the season of the message we're in, it wasn't that one day we woke up and said doctrinally, okay, we're out of the man anointing and we're in the eagle anointing. Therefore, let's start acting like it. No, it's something that has to resonate within us. We've got to work with God's season. Let me, let me, let me read a couple of things that Brother Branham would share. He will talk... Christ revealed in his own word. We've got to go through one of the most dreadful times that's ever been before human beings. There are days I wake up, I don't want to hear the news. I don't want to hear how the enemy is bombarding. But I recognize, let me go through it. Because if I can get through it, Oh, there is something beyond. Now, in the martyrs, in the days of the martyrs, they would give their life once, and they were through it. They were on the other side. But here, we've got a season that's unlike any that's ever been on the face of the earth. He says, I'm waiting for the hour when we can all get off from work and spend a few days and speak on these plagues and things that's to fall in the last days and take two or three weeks and bring it together if the Lord will let me live and inspire me to do so to see how these things will be dropped in. Lord willing, I, I want to bring some of this because this is what's around us. And he says, and those thunders. And you will find out that what man and them people have been dreaming about You'll notice that great thunder out of the skies. Now, he's saying this, and let me say this. I came out of the message, and it was so personal. It was so real. It was God dealing with sin in my life. The scripture of Psalms 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word. It was so real to me. It was something in me. Lord, I, I got to shed myself of everything just to be in this place with you. It was a season. Psalms 119 is one of the longest books in the Bible. And, and I, I've often gone back to that, but I've gone back and read a lot more. And I've reckoned that was a part of a season of my life. Psalms 119 is, is, a, is a great, because it speaks of something Psalms 139 is another one that is so great and precious to me because it's so personal. It was God dealing with me then. It's God dealing with me now. It's also my future. It shows my real past. It's everything. And so here's the prophet. He's talking about thunders and things. These are things 
You know, we, we come to the message, sometimes we hit a roadblock. You know, what is the message to you? Four blind men went to a circus. And they all came to the circus and they all touched the elephant. And they came back with a report. And they had a conference and they said, okay, what's the elephant to you? One of them said, oh, the elephant's like a rope. I, I touched it. It's like a rope. Absolutely. The guy goes, are you crazy? I have touched the elephant. It's like a wall. Absolutely a wall. And the guy goes, you guys are off your rockers. The elephant is like a vacuum cleaner hose. I felt it. Now, every one of those is true. And the last guy comes and says, I don't know where you guys are getting your information from, but I put my arms around the elephant and it's like a tree trunk. Now, every one of those reports is true. What is the message? Is it just another move of God? Is it just healing? Is it just God sent a prophet? Is it just these things? Or does the message not also have its seasons? Because there are seasons to our life. There's seasons to the message. And the prophet would come and say, now, let me, let me finish reading the quote because he'll say it here. He's talking about thunders and things. And we just hit a mental block. Ah, I don't understand all that. No, but listen to what he says. <coughs> now, that great thunder that's coming forth. Now, of course, there's a whole bunch of you uh, you know that I know what that means, see? But now listen to these words. But wait till that time comes, and you'll see it will be more in season. Now, I, I, I'm glad he put that in there. Did I understand all these things? No. Do I understand everything about how the seals are? and what the, do I, do I, No, I don't. I'm being honest. But I know something. The picture is materializing. It's becoming crisper. It's becoming cleaner. You know, we've had people will say, well, this is what the message is, and we'll put man's terms on it. We'll get a finite man, even under inspiration, and say, this is what it is. But at the end of the day, the final word belongs to him. We don't know what will unfold. And, and he will go along and say, you know, we've had all kinds of definitions of what revival is, and we still get them. Brother Branham will talk in the third seal. The revivals that we're supposed to have, we have denominational revivals, but we haven't had a real stirring. No, sir, don't think we got revivals. We haven't. We got millions and millions of church members, but not a revival nowhere. This is 1963. This is at the tail end of the greatest healing revival that has ever swept America. It's a time when God worked through Billy Graham, through Jack Coe, through many of them, and, and Brother Bram saying, we haven't seen a revival yet. Now, isn't this amazing? Now, let, let's go on. He says, the bride hasn't had a revival yet. That's right. Where? Why? There's no revival there. 
There's no manifestation of God to stir the bride yet. Now, I'm going to just relate this in simple forms. Now, let me just finish the quote. See, we're looking for it now. He will take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again. He will send it. He promised it. Now watch. Now, we can put this quote and we can say, okay, I believe that. We can disregard everything that was before and we can point everything in the future and we can camp on that. That's not what this quote was sent to do. But this was to take us beyond, beyond what God had been doing to what he was going to do. Now this is, you, you watch, and, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to going at it slowly a little bit today, but I'll bring it in, in more steps. And he, you watch even the prophet as the word unfolds to him. We all think Brother Brandon was all-knowing, he was in contact with God. No, he only was the mouthpiece that God was using to declare himself to us. So, a couple of years, a year later, rather, a year and a half later, he's preaching, recognizing your day and its message. And he's preaching that in, in Shreveport. And he's preaching at the church of Brother Jack Moore. And this is a man who had put out a paper, the herald of his coming. Now he's not, I'm sorry, he's not preaching it there, but he's talking about it. And he goes, there's no revival. Everybody's complaining. Ministers are crying. I was reading one of the outstanding papers. And I know the editor and I know the people. And they are godly people, very fine. Brother and Sister Moore at the Herald of His Coming. One of the finest papers on the field, Herald of His Coming. They will hardly print anything unless it's fast, pray, fast, pray, sound a trumpet. How many reads it, you know? You see it all the time. Fast, pray, fast, pray. There's a great thing that's going to happen. All of you, pray, pray. We're not going to, it's not too late yet. <coughs> Pre-COVID, my wife and I were in the United States. And we're driving in rural countrysides. And there's signs, you know, what they call the Bible Belt area. There's signs that are up. And the signs that were up and say, pray that America wakes up. Well, America missed, as Jesus would say, their day of visitation. The churches also had a day of visitation. But I say this, oh, let us not miss our day of visitation. So in this quote, Brother Branham is talking, he says, now why do they do that? Because they want a great awakening, they're crying, believing there will be an awakening. They are good people. You know, we condemn them sometimes. Ah, that's just denominational. No, they are good people. And before you talk like that, you need to say, the grace of God that came to me, I need to have a better attitude than that about people. Because I would be nothing had he not come my way. They're good people. What have they done? They have not recognized 
the awakening of the bride. See? By being a Christian, they feel the pull of the hour, but they haven't recognized what has been done. So now it's, it's not here in the seals. He's saying, it'll take those seven unknown thunders. It'll take that. And now a year and a half later, he's going back. It's already happened. And they haven't recognized. And we think, oh, it's all over in 1963. No, it's not. The picture is still developing. It's all over. Ruth made it into the field of Boaz. It's not over. She hasn't even gone into the place with Boaz yet. I'm trying to make this in simple terms. <coughs> Fourth seal. This is prophecy future. You say, oh, the thunders. Bang, 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 bang. Well, just hang on a second. Even Revelations 10, 7, the mystery of God should be finished. Now, something has been set in motion through the breach that God's never going to reverse. But it's taking the breach to unfold it. It's taking this space of time after the church ages where there's something happening. It's happening on a negative level in the world, but it's happening on a spiritual level in the bride. Now, for seal, he's going... Wait till them seven thunders utter their voices to that group that can really take the word of God and hand it there. It'll slice and cut. He says, and they can close the heavens. They, a group. Now this is, there's a part of this that's going to take the coming together of the body. And they can take, they can close the heavens. They can do whatever they want. He'll, he'll be slayed. That's, that's, that's the, the enemy. From the word that proceeds from his mouth, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, Brother Branham is combining him and her together in this. Because she is him. She is the womb that he is using. He says, they can call for a hundred billion tons of flies if they wanted to. It's going to happen because the word of God is coming from the mouth of God. But God always uses man to work it. Oh, friends, the things that God has in store. Take, take the little quotation Brother Bram says. Do you want to see a church rise like that? It's in the Message India report. It's on the road already. It's coming. You can't stop it. Stay in the channel. My goodness. I, I haven't even moved off page one. It's good I was saying I'm going to go slow. So there's different seasons. Genesis 1. Let's just read. <coughs> Genesis 1 verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So God has created signs in the heavens and they represent something's happening. Three stars came together at the birth of Jesus. 
And you had to be in the right position. You had to be in a place called there. For those of you who remember, yes, last week's message. A place called there. You had to be in the right position to see those three coming together as one. And the wise men saw it, and it set their path. Now, it was the heavenly, but it reflected on the earthly. In 1962, Brother Branham is looking at signs in the earth, things that are happening. There's floods in England. There's something happening in Germany. There's earthquakes everywhere. And he's going, what's happening? What's happening? And he says, and then he points, and he says, and there are five stars in the heavens aligning. What is it? It's a bride. It's an infant bride. She is coming to her position. She's in her infancy, but she's going to come to maturity. Now a prophet can see that. You and I can't see that. But it's a prophet seeing that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this. Don't let the message be, okay, dress right, pay your tithes, show up on time, get the right, get the right, uh, get, you know, get the right doctrine on justification and sanctification and make sure you have a good, that isn't the message, friends. The core of the message, the core of the message is Ruth getting into a place with Boaz. He will tell you what you shall do. Brother Brandon would even say, the years of the message, he would refer to in the years of preparation. He says, under first pull, under second pull. He says, all of that being there, knowing that this would come. <laughs> I, listen, I, I want you to just reflect. Don't, this isn't to put a heavy on anybody, but allow yourself, go, go for a walk sometimes. We, you know, we slot in, I'll let you know a little secret. Okay, I, I got to prepare for a message. So Saturday, I'll start studying. No, actually, I'm studying 24-7. I've got messages ongoing at different times all the time. And it isn't that, and it isn't as simple as, okay, uh, I did this, I did this, I did this, now I'm going to study for so many hours. No, actually, it's when God comes, it's when He chooses, when He makes Himself real, it's not in my hands. It's not in your hands. But I'll say this. Make yourself available to him. Don't let the devil rob you. I'll, I'll slot in time. Sunday morning, I didn't get a chance to listen to tape, but I'll be hearing the service. I, I just say this. Take time with God. Take time to pray. You know, we say we're the bride of Jesus Christ. And, then, and I won't dwell on this continually today, but I'll, I'll say... Our attitudes reflect if we're the bride of Christ. Because if we're the bride of Christ, we're about the Father's business. That doesn't mean we're super spiritual all the time. It means that when it comes to it, my heart is beating for that time alone with Him. Genesis 1, let's go to Leviticus 23. <coughs> now the word runs in continuity. Jesus gave signs in the heavens, but he also put things in his word. I'll just drop this in. This will not be a full comprehensive study. This is just an overview I want you to look at for a moment. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, Leviticus 23, verse 1. Spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, that you shall proclaim them to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. It is a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Now, maybe I'll, 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 I, could, I could go through these, but if you want to read the seven feasts, verse 5 is the Passover, verse 6 is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and he says verse 10 is the Feast of Firstfruits, Verse 15 is the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. Verse 24 is the Feast of Trumpets. Verse 27 is the Day of the Atonement. Verse 34 is the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Now, just put up the PowerPoint, if you will, Brother Mark. I'm going to just use a description maybe to make this a little bit easier. And this is something I just pulled up from what I'd done some time back when we took some time studying on the feasts. But the feasts of the Lord, you shall proclaim them in their seasons. Brother Branham would talk, everything runs in continuity. What he said in Genesis 1 about lights and heavens, that's God's first Bible. What was in Enoch was a Bible, was a type. What was in this written word is also a type, and you have to work in the season that God is working in. So the Old Testament, he chose to put his name. It's a negative. The shadows of the Old Testament fade into the positive of the new. Now all the feasts, the holidays, all the tabernacle, all the wood, everything is typed in Christ. Tremendous message, Brother Branham would speak, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. And he puts this disclaimer on it. If you ever fail, come back to this message. If you ever get muddled up in your mind about what's going on, even around the message, if you ever get muddled up about opinions and thoughts and things, Come back to this message, he says. Now, he says, all of these things, the offerings was a type of Christ. We've been through it time and time again. All the old things was a shadow of things to come, good things to come. He says, every sacrifice, every, every feast foreshadowed Christ. Okay? Every feast foreshadowed Christ. So there was... Seven feasts. I'm using this. These are the Jewish months. But in the month of Nisan, the spring, and the Jews read from this side to this side. So we're going counter, or we're going counterclockwise. Right. Right? Clockwise. So anyway, spring feasts. These three are together. Passover. Who is the lamb? Christ is the lamb. Then it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For, for a whole week, you're to eat unleavened bread. Seven days. Unleavened bread without leaven in it. It's a type of Christ. Then it's the Feast of first fruits. After those seven days, you'll bring a, a sheaf, you'll mix it, you'll do those things, and then you'll wave it over the people. 
saying that this is the first that's come to maturity. I'm, this is not a comprehensive study. But I'm just saying, I'm, I want to put it into a perspective. Freeze the first fruit. You'll wave it saying there's more to come. More that have come to maturity. Then it was going to be 50 days later. Seven Sabbaths. Now, this was Christ. This was Christ. This was Christ. This was Christ. But it was going to be the Feast of Weeks. It was going to be Pentecost. And it was a type of Christ. And it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And it is all of these feasts. We still observe the Passover. We still remember the Passover. We still remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We still remember the Feast of First. We still remember Pentecost. But we don't stop. We keep going. Because there's seven that brings us to a conclusion. Now, this happened once a year. But it's actually a type of the whole plan of redemption. Really, Christ fulfilled what Moses did in Exodus 12. <coughs> the unleavened bread has been fulfilled. Feast of first fruits have been fulfilled. Pentecost has been fulfilled. But yet it's still part of us. It's part of our experience. But it brings us seven months later to the Feast of Trumpets. It brings us... So the Bible actually says, your male shall gather three times a year. Once, twice, three times. To observe seven feasts. So you come to Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles. I won't get into this fully. This is just another thing. Here's spring. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. This is represented at the time of the barley harvest. This is the harvest that Ruth came into when she entered back into Israel. She came in at the time of the barley harvest. The next one is the Feast of Pentecost, which is uh, what she also came into, which was the wheat harvest. You can read it at the end of Ruth chapter 2. She abode there till the barley harvest and the wheat harvest was finished. Then you come into the fall time where it is the trumpets, the atonement, the tabernacles, the last three feasts. So those last three feasts, the trumpets, the, I, I don't want to really fully get into it, but I'm just saying what is happening in the end time when Israel... What is the trumpets? The trumpets is to Israel. It's to what? To call them back to the atonement that they rejected. So the trumpets are the calling out of Israel. When Brother Branham would start to speak on the trumpets, he's saying, that's not to you, but that is to the Jews. And he says, all the trumpets sounded under the sixth seal. I'll just drop that in. There's more to it. I'm taking it slow. And he would just say, Look, look at the time we're in. It's the concluding of the Gentile dispensation. It's the, it's the trumpets calling Israel back to the original atonement. But while that's going on, there's also a feast of tabernacles. A feast where you enter into a booth. You enter into a secret place where there is something. It is God and you alone. It is not a public show. It is, a, it is all of these represent Christ. I don't want to stop short of anything. The prophet says, now that the seals are open, the Spirit of God directs us to all the Word, not just a part of the Word. 
Okay, just, just turn that off. I, I had more I could read, but I'm not going to go to it today. <coughs> Friend of mine brought a really good example about... Let me, let me read this quote, and then I'll, I'll share it with you, but... This is out of the Church Age book, and Brother Branham would talk about it. And he would just say, referring to Revelations 3, verse 8. This is to the Philadelphian Church Age. I know your works. I put an open door before you. No man can shut it. Now, Brother Branham gives this commentary. In order to understand the meaning of this open door and no man can shut it, we must remember how each age runs over into another age. There's an overlapping, there's a melting, a fading into, rather than an abrupt and a clear-cut start. Why? That's why in 1956, the prophet would cross America, they either accept the word or they're finished. But they kept going on. Because, and, and there were still churches and there were still things. But as a nation, the day was over. When Samuel rejected Saul, and he told Saul, this day the Lord has rent the kingdom from you and given it to another. It was many, many years before David ever came into power. But that had been finished. And even though Saul continued to reign, even though Saul, but the decline happened in Saul's life and his attitude and evil spirits that affected him. He was no longer a king in power with the full power of heaven backing him. But there was another one rising up. <coughs> Brother Branham would say, the last age, the sixth age, flows into the last age. The seventh age is gathers itself up for one quick work. All the evil of every age, and yet all the reality of Pentecost. Once the Philadelphia age has run its course, the Laodicea age comes in, bringing both the tares and the wheat to harvest. And it says, it's, I, I don't want to read the whole quote, but I, I'm, let me finish the last sentences here. The plant you see growing in full strength in summer suddenly appears to be going to seed. You can't tell when summer became autumn. It just faded into it. That is how the ages are, especially these last two. Let me, let me give you this as an example because, and I'll, I'll address this in future services, but we've come from lion anointing to ox anointing and really, those martyrs under that ox anointing couldn't help but doing what they were doing. And now let me just deal with, you can't tell when a lion anointing stopped and when the ox started. Neither can you tell clearly when the ox started or finished and when the man started. And let me just show you how, how God does things. And I, I say this in part due to a friend of mine. But he would, he would bring this analogy. And, and we have, we had, you may have seen the wheat plant growing up and how we know that the church had to go into a cycle of death in order for it to rise again. But a hundred years before Luther ever came on the scene, there was a man named Huss. And Huss, there's a video on it. It's actually amazing to see the spirits that you can see. 
that he had to withstand. So Huss, in his doctrine, he proclaimed that the Catholic Church, what they were doing, they were not, it's, it's the word of God that was higher than what the church was saying they were doing. And he began to protest, and he began to try to bring the word to the people, and he began to do those things. And when he started to do that, they brought him to an inquisition. They, they determined that he was a heretic. And by the anointing that he lived under, he gave himself to be burned at the stake. 100 years later, Martin Luther comes with many of the same doctrines as us. But now God had begun to change the season, and now it was the season of the man anointing coming under, and Luther began to protest, and under the inspiration of man, there he goes, and he nails those 95 theses on the door in Wittenberg, and, 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 he, and he nails them on, on the castle. It's over 500, just over 500 years ago. And he nails them on the ground, and now he is called to an inquisition. And Luther's thinking, I I'm going to give my life. Like Huss gave his life. Like all the other martyrs gave his life. And they called him to an inquisition, and they asked him, will you recant these books, and will you do this, and will you do this? And, and, and you know, they gave him a day to think about it, and he came back the next day, and he just said, I can't. And he says, I cannot, I will not recant. And he, and he just stood up with the boldness of a man. Amen. With the wisdom of a man. And you know what happened? He never was a martyr. Because it was the ushering in of another age. It was the same word, but now it was being brought into another season, another manifestation, and God was changing that, and he was using that to usher in the reformers. And he began with Luther, and he brought in Wesley, and then he brought in Pentecost, all under a, a Reformation anointing. And I'm not going to go further than that today because that's a whole other subject <clears throat> in, in terms of that. Let me, let's go back to something in the book of Ruth, if we can, for a moment. <coughs> I, I, really, I really wanted to focus in on Eve and on her womb, and, uh, but as the Lord led it, I won't go there today. Let's just take this part because we're coming to communion tonight. Let's go back to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 3. Now here she comes. She's coming from the season of decision, of, sir, of, 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 of putting herself before God and, and on of deciding into a season of serving. But chapter 3 starts with Naomi saying, I need to seek rest for you. Now, under the man anointing, it was what we could do what we could offer up, what we could work ourselves to, what we could learn, what we could understand, what we could do. But now there's a higher level coming. And he says, I want to bring you into a season of rest. And so she begins to tell her, now go and meet Boaz, go down to this place. Now here, here's where I, I really can't get into the fullness of this thought today. But here is a secret place unknown to the public, unknown to what her history was back in, Bo in uh, Moab, back from what all the gleaners saw, 
But now she was coming into a secret place, and now it was a place of, he will tell you what you shall do. You know, within the church, the, the message, seed is not air with the shuck, and I'll go into it fully, but Brother Branham says, there are in this last day two covenants. Seed is not air with a shuck, with the church natural and with the church spiritual. And he says there are two separate people, two separate covenants. In other words, you can take the thinking of what church is and what you ought to do, and what you're required to do, and you can make it a law, and you can make it a rules, and you can make it all of that, but it's actually on a higher level than that. Hebrews 8, verse 11, I, you, you can maybe turn to that after, but it says in that day, they'll say, know not everyone, uh, this, this, do this and do this, but they'll say, know the Lord. And I say, I want to give room for that in every service. It's not what I can convey to you. It's what God can use the words that are being speak to make himself real to you. It's not uh, somebody up here teaching and learning, but it is God himself that is the intermediary. It is God that makes itself real. It is God that is on the scene. That, that's the one that you ought to see rising up. I love the gifts in the body. I'm thankful for the prophet in the body. But oh, let me see Jesus. I want to see him in my walk. I want to see him in my daily life. He will tell you what you ought to do. And so she enters a season where it's a season that's not even to the public anymore. And there's more to this that I'm going to go to, but I'm going to stop right there. And I think sometimes it's just good to stop where I said some things and I'll leave it there, but we're coming to communion tonight, so let's have the musicians come. Do you love the Lord? Yeah. Whatever the Lord may have ministered today, this wasn't the way I, I had it bookmarked, but I said, I'll be obedient, Lord. I'll follow what you said. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the communion tonight. I'm looking forward to what he will say to us. Good you're there, Brother Marion. I'd like to sing, We Are in the Season of the Coming of the Lord. Let's stand together. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us. The word has been restored. You can take away the promise of the day we've waited for we are in the season of the coming of the lord we are in the season of the coming of the lord the signs are all around us and the word has been restored you can take away the promise of the day we waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord.